The title, if you want a title of this talk, is Wasting Ourselves on Jesus. And there is a story that is in all four Gospels. Um, and it's the story of uh, Mary of Bethany um, uh, pouring the, the oil over Jesus and wiping his feet. Uh, or in other, in other Gospels, she's called um, the sinful woman. Um, I'm going to assume that it's the same person, that it's the same story. I know not all theologians agree with that. Some say it's two stories, but it's just too similar. Many think it's, it's the same story. And Mary of Bethany is the sinful woman, and Lazarus has house. Uh, it was also Simon the leper's house and all sorts of things like that. Bishop Graham Cray, you may not agree, um, but there we go. Um, I want to read one of the versions. This is in all four Gospels, and it's in all four Gospels for a reason. And the reason is, like the feeding of the 5,000, which there's not many stories that are in all four Gospels, it's because it re God really wants to speak to us through it. And this is from Mark 14. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the, house of, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. I want to underline that. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. That's one of the versions, and we're told slightly different things in the different uh, Gospels, but they all come together. Um, as I said, this is in all four Gospels, and one of the things that I want you to note is, is Mark says, wherever the gospel is preached, Jesus says, what this woman has done will be told. This story will be told. Why? Why would he say that? What does that mean? Uh, I suggest it means that wherever, the, uh, in, at least in part, wherever the gospel is preached of a God who gave everything for us, who held nothing back for us, the response to that, the response of love, not of duty, not of slavery, but the response of sons and daughters is to give everything we have back to him. Because sacrificial love 
inspires sacrificial love in return. It's, it's, the, it's the only true worship, uh, worshipful response to a God who gave everything to us. It's the principle, if you like, of waste. Judas said, why, why all this waste? That perfume, the alabaster jar, was worth a year's wages. The nard would have, been, would have come from the Himalayas. It was incredibly expensive. And Judas was like, why this waste? And, and do you know the world around us sometimes says about us when we spend time in worship, when we spend time even as Christians, why are you wasting your life? Why you can do something useful with your life? Because they don't understand. When I became a Christian, my parents who were atheists, they couldn't understand. And one of the things they said, we had hopes for you. We had hopes that you would do something with your life. And now you're wasting it on this silly religion. You're wasting your time going to these meetings. And, uh, and honestly, until they died, they couldn't understand what I was doing. That was painful. When your own parents don't see any value in how you're spending your life. But that's what people around us might say. But it wasn't just Judas. It was the other disciples. It was the followers of Jesus. Remember, Judas couldn't call him Lord. The others did. And they were saying, they were indignant and they were angry and they spoke harshly to her. This is, we could have done so much with this. We could have done a building project. We could have given it to the poor. We could have, we could have spent it on this. We could have done an evangelistic crusade. And I, I, it just, it was a waste. And sometimes it's even more painful when we waste ourselves on Jesus, when we give everything to him, when our own brothers and sisters, when others in the church uh, think or say that we're being extreme, um, that we're being a little bit fanatical and they don't get it. It was very precious ointment and they weren't rich. It says in another place that, that Martha was serving. And she, was, she was working hard so they wouldn't have had slaves to serve. Otherwise, she wouldn't have done it. All the indications are they were not a wealthy and very prosperous family. Uh, they weren't rich. So the alabaster jar that was worth a year's wages was costly. It cost everything. It would have been a family heirloom. It would have been their pension. Uh, some uh, commentators say that the, the sinful woman, she was called the sinful woman, that might have been a euphemism for prostitution. It might have been the money she gained from that. But, and when she met Jesus, it was like, you know what? That which I've been saving for my retirement, that which is so precious to us because we don't have much, that which is everything to us, I'm going to waste it on Jesus. And she broke the jar. She broke the alabaster jar. And this is a principle this is a biblical principle of of breaking out of the breaking comes blessing do you remember when when Jesus took the bread he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body in the feeding of the 5,000 he blessed the bread and he broke it and it fed a multitude there is something about 
uh, a breaking. Jesus said, when, uh, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bear much fruit. And he was talking about himself, about his own life, falling to the ground to die on the cross, that he's, his death and resurrection would bear much fruit. But it's also a principle of our life. That which was a principle of his death becomes the principle of our life in the light of his death. And so there was a breaking of the alabaster jar. And uh, there has to be a breaking for the perfume to come forth. There has to be a sacrifice. He sacrificed for us, and sacrifice is a choice. And it's a choice that we make to, to please him. It's a choice that we make as worship to him. And do you know, when we make that sacrifice, we bring him joy and we receive joy in the place of sacrifice. It's, it, it doesn't make sense humanly. It's counterintuitive. But when we make a sacrifice of worship, when we, when we, when we break, when we are broken, then the perfume the sweet perfume of life and love and intimacy with Jesus comes forth. Um, don't hold on to your life. Uh, Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And that's an everyday thing. I became a Christian two months before my 16th birthday. And it was a no-brainer when I understood the gospel, when I understood what it was. But there were sacrifices involved. There was sacrifice with my family who didn't understand. And as I read the scriptures and I found out how God wanted me to live, I had to make a choice uh, about things that I would do and not do, things that I would pursue and not pursue. And some of it was a breaking I had to die to certain longings in my heart. I had to die to things that I would have loved to see happen. And that is again and again and again. And do you know what? I tell you this for sure. That does not lead to a life of misery. It leads to a life of joy. I look back and every single sacrifice was more than worth it. I have received more than I could ever, ever have given. Uh, and Jesus loved her sacrifice. You know, he said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. He didn't say, oh, what a waste. He didn't say, oh my goodness, you could have put that in the bank and it could have helped the early church get going. He said, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. It brought him joy. And when we love him because he first loved us, when we begin to love him as he loved us by sacrificing himself. You know that the greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. It doesn't say, it doesn't say we're to love him with some of our heart, some of our soul, some of our mind, some of our strength. And can I say, this is, there is, this, there's a lie that we believe, and that is that this sort of teaching is the narrow path that Mother Teresa followed, uh, that the Archbishop of Canterbury maybe follows, that, that, that um, Corrie Tamboon, who were 
was mentioned earlier follows. The other great, the Andy Croft follows. And then there's the wide way, which non-Christians follow. And then there's the middle way for the rest of us. That's not true. That's not true. Give him your all. Whatever your job is, whatever your career is, whatever your role in life is, there are not different tiers of Christianity. It's we, we, we love him because, and when we understand that sinful woman, um, it says in another version that, that he, Jesus says, you know, she, she gave everything she gave everything that when when you're loved when you're loved much you're when you know you're forgiven much you love much do you know how much you've been forgiven do you know how extravagantly you've been forgiven do you know how extravagantly how amazingly he loves you when you know that not because someone told you and you've got it here but when you know it in the depth of your being the sacrifice stops being a sacrifice it is more than worth it. And that's how we live in joy. When we bring him joy, when we come to the place where we give our whole life over to him, we live in joy. And, and the world can't take that joy away. That joy isn't dependent on circumstances. It is so not. And joy comes from brokenness. I've seen the time, I'm going to speed up. Uh, Martha was serving. Mary sat at his feet and that tells us that worship comes before service. Service is important but first of all it's our relationship with him. Often our work for him distracts us from our wasting ourselves in worship to him. The first ministry is to Jesus and then when we've ministered to him we have something precious to minister out into the world. And it says, as I begin to come into thy land, the fragrance of the perfume. In John's Gospel, in, it says the fragrance of the perfume filled the room. That's the fruit of pouring ourselves out to him. That's the fruit of waste. There was a fragrance and it filled the whole room. And do you know... There is something that happens that when we, when, we, when we break ourselves, like the bread was broken, like our saviour was broken, and we pour everything, we give the best that we have, we decide, I'm not going to live my life my way, I'm going to live it your way. I'm going to please you. I'm going to make it my life's ambition to bring you joy. There is a fragrance that comes. And I have smelt it in people, people who walk closely with Jesus, and it's attractive. Paul says to the Corinthians, uh, we are the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved. And we are the aroma of Christ. There's, there's a fragrance. And, and do you know, it's not, about, it's not about our intelligence, our gifting, our ability, our good looks that's going to make the difference. It's, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory to come. It's Christ in us. It's when people encounter him in us, when we are so immersed in him that there is a fragrance, an aroma, a smell about us, and it's the smell of Jesus. And it's a beautiful smell. Do you know what that does? That creates a longing. 
We can preach till the cows come home. We can do gimmicks till, till the cows come home. Again, I can't think of a second image there. We can do all that. But do you know what? If people aren't spiritually hungry, if people aren't spiritually thirsty, they won't be bothered. How do we create a hunger? How do we create a thirst? Fragrance. The aroma of Christ. This Wednesday, when we have our cafe, some of you will arrive having ordered and planning to eat for lunch boring English paninis. But do you know what's going to happen? And I prophesy this. As you come in, you will smell Greek. You will smell gleftigo. You will imbibe magaroni to furno. And you will suddenly feel hungry. And you will say, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I was existing on English food. Now I can come alive in Greekness. That's what our lives are to do to those around us. I was existing, but I, I see something, I taste something, I smell something. I want this. Our love for him will create a longing. That's not the main reason that we do it. The main reason is for him, is intimacy with him is to please him. And the power comes from the presence. The power comes from the presence. I leave you with this thought. Jesus says in Mark 14, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. She poured perfume on my body beforehand. You know, the nard was used as you buried people, as, a, as an anointing. And you know, after Jesus died on the cross, three days later, the women went to the tomb with perfume, with spices, with nard to anoint his body. But they couldn't because it was too late. He wasn't there. He'd risen. The only one, the only one who anointed his body was the sinful woman was Mary of Bethany. She was the only one beforehand. Don't wait to give him your all. Don't miss the chance now. Do it now. Pour yourself out for the one who poured himself to you. And do you know, you will, when you satisfy him, you will be satisfied like never before with the life that you have in him. We were made for him. We find our home in him. He is enough. He is enough. He's the only one who is enough.